Oh boy, oh boy, it is the weekend. So that means another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. This week, our guest is the one and only Griff First coming on the show. He is an actor, he is a producer, he is a writer. Man, this guy does a little bit of everything. Yes, and he's been in the industry since he was a wee lad, growing up on set practically his whole life. He's going to tell us about the benefits and the disadvantages of that, uh, the differences in producing indies and big studio films, all kinds of good stuff for all you up-and-comers out there. You don't want to miss this one. Super excited, super excited, mate. Now, let's get a little crazy. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of It Calf Podcast. Oh, my goodness. It is absolutely crazy because we're on episode 220. Ooh. What Man, the shit is I'm happening? I'm telling you, 250's right around the corner. Can you even believe that? Like, it, it's so nuts. Man. It's so crazy. It is St. Patty's weekend, so be sure to stay safe this weekend, guys. We just want to throw that out there. I mean, you never know, you never know. But you know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only mouth. What's up? Boy, oh boy. But before we tease the rest of the show, you know how it goes. Be sure to leave a comment and a rating on the podcast. Tell us what you think about the show. Leaving a rating and a comment actually helps the podcast get seen by more people especially those who are trying to break into the entertainment industry which you guys know this is a one-stop shop yes. for the entertainment industry man oh man there's so much to talk about this week we have so much news from the oscars oh my goodness they actually went up in viewership so that's super exciting yes there is a long time gray's anatomy alumni leaving the show which is super duper sad uh, and so much other things <laughs> happening in hollywood Hollywood. Shazam's coming out this weekend. Will it do good? I don't think so. It's not off to a good start, we're going to tell you. <laughs> it's really not, man. It's really not. But before we tease or go into the rest of the show, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Or you can even wake up with us, guys. You That's see, right. we have our coffee mugs. we got to be careful, though, because they are full of coffee. Oh, goodness. That's terrifying. Um, man, you can get all of your cool merchandise on our website yeah. like i said www.crazyantmedia.com right now that's why you got to follow our accounts crazy Ant media and it cap podcast so you can see when things are going down 20 percent off right now in our store so that's why Hell you yes. need to follow us man you need to freaking follow us but now of course we're starting with disney everybody knows we love disney we're kind of peeved at them right now i'm sure you guys know why if you follow us religiously <laughs> but that's okay we will continue loving the mouse house the 2023 Oscars attracted an average audience of 18.8 total million viewers Woo! on Sunday night, pushing the show up 13% from the previous year's figures. According to the final time zone adjusted data, which includes live plus same day numbers from Nelson, everybody knows, the ceremony earned a 4.0 rating in mm. adults, 18.49 key demographic pushing it uh, to a three-year high in both total viewers and demo, up 5% from 2020. Now, the telecast out 
outperformed the 2023 Grammys on CBS by 50 percent. Wow. Kicked its ass. Um, which picked up an audience of 12 and a half million total viewers on the February 5th show and last year's Emmys on NBC by about 219%. Crazy. Which brought in an audience of 5.9 million last summer, or last September. Among adults 18 to 49, the Oscars bested the Grammys by 38% and the Emmys by 264%. Not even Damn. close. The 2023 Oscars uh, attracted an average audience of 18.8 total million viewers on Sunday night. Um, I mean, all the good stuff, man. Super yeah. freaking exciting. And then we would just want to thank everybody for watching our Oscar watch party the first and the second time. That's why we're a little peeved right now because we were copyright violated, apparently, um, or in violation of a copyright and got taken down. But uh, overall, we performed really well and a whole lot of good comments a whole lot of good interaction back and forth and to everybody welcome to the channel we appreciate you guys for watching then and watching now just thank you yes i mean and and one way or another we're going to try to get that video back up because it was really entertaining and we hope you guys will be able to watch it at some point uh and thank you like logan said to everybody who watched it was amazing and during the oscars of course disney unveiled the first full little mermaid trailer with a fresh look at the film that stars Haley berry as ariel during the telecast bailey appeared uh, alongside Melissa McCarthy, who plays, of course, the villainous Ursula, to show off in the trailer. Now, Rob Marshall will direct the live-action remake of the 1989 animated feature film that, of course, received Oscars for original song and score for Ellen Menken. Now, Menken will return to update the score and pen a new song featuring lyrics from Lin-Manuel Miranda. It will also include four new original songs to the remake. The Little Mermaid has a release date of May 26th, so right around the corner. For sure, man. Uh, this next one is not a surprise, though, to be honest. I really saw this one coming. The Willow TV series is done after just one season at Disney+. Plus. The news comes around two months after the High Fantasy series aired its eighth and final episode, with the show having debuted in November of 2022 and airing until June January of 2023. Now, follow our Willow continues the story of the film of the same name with Warwick Davis returning for the series in the title role, of course, of Willow Orfgood. But yeah, I mean, I think they were just trying to capitalize on the middle um, medieval shit, and I just don't think it worked. Yeah, I think that's what they thought was going to attract the younger audience, but I think the audience that showed up was my age, fans of the original film, yep. and I don't think they did a good enough job promoting it. They should have replayed the film, they should have re-released the film, they should have really done a harder marketing campaign to get the younger people interested in what this was. Agreed. You know, maybe it would have worked if better, but who knows? I know you're devastated by this one. I know a lot of people will be devastated by this one, but Gray Sloan Memorial will be losing both of the Ellis Gray's daughters this season. That's right. Meredith's already gone. And now Kelly McCreary, who has played Maggie Pierce, Meredith Gray's half sister and head of the hospital's cardiothoracic surgery since the end of season 10 is departing Grey's Anatomy after nine years. Her last episode as a series regular will air April 13th, and like Ellen Pompeo, who is set to return for the season 19 finale after Meredith's big February 23rd send-off, Maggie also will pop up to visit 
the Doctors of Grace Sloan later this season following her April 13th farewell. Now, like was the case with Pompeo, whose Meredith Grey left Seattle in the mid-season premiere, Pierce's Grey's, uh, Pierce's Grey's exit, Pierce's Grey's exit, da, 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 uh, has also been apparently carefully planned out. Uh, she approached the producers ahead of time about her desire to leave and pursue other opportunities, which led to Maggie's season 19 arc being crafted as the character's final chapter at Grey Sloan. Now, building towards her upcoming exit. Now, as you guys know that are following along, the final storyline has revolved largely around Maggie and Winston's deepening marital problems. So I'm guessing a divorce is on the forefront, and she's probably that's going to be her exit out of there. Just so. kind of deuces. Um, well, Sarah Singh has been cast in the lead role of the ABC drama pilot, Judgment. Um, the project was originally ordered to pilot at the broadcaster in December. Now, Shying will also star in the role of Maya Bahari in the show, which is described as a high-stakes legal soap. Now, Sarah is also attached as a producer on the project. Per the official character description, though, we'll meet Maya in uh, two distinct periods of her life. One, she is a brilliant, successful appeals court judge being vetted for the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh. So as long as her dark and painful secrets don't deal derail the nomination. Now, in another, she is a young spitfire of an attorney, uh, painfully awkward at times and ingenious, uh, ingenious when it comes to uh, navigating the many nosses of the law. Now, she's also caught romantic between two feuding brothers who are at the root of the very thing that she's trying to hide from her Supreme Court investigators. Oh. Sounds very drama good. And it's, everything is now doing these timeline bounces. Why? Like, it's not necessary. I know it was popular for a little bit on a lot of shows, but do we need to do it all the time now? It's going to be interesting. I don't know. It sounds good, though. Judy Greer has joined ABC's Drop-Off. Now, that's the working title, so I, we don't know if that's going to stick or not. As a series regular, she'll play Amanda, the hyper-confident, uber-organized mom who seemingly has it all together and runs the inner circle at Julia's kids' school. She's an expert at the art of compliment that's actually an insult. Amanda, who usually arranges babysitting swaps with the moms during school vacations, arranges a swap with Julia, who agrees to watch her kids while Amanda prepares for one of her famous dinner parties, mm. which ends in disaster for Julia. She joins the previously announced star, Ellie Kemper, who leads the cast as Julia, a working mom for whom nothing is working, so she goes looking for her village. Mm. Very interesting. Interesting, man. Very For interesting. Sure. Well, Demi Lovato is stepping or sitting in the director's chair, we should say. The singer, songwriter, and actor will make her directorial debut with Child Star. Now, that is a working title. The feature-length documentary that aims to deconstruct the highs and lows of growing up in the spotlight through the lens of some of the world's most famous former child stars, including Lovato herself. The documentary will stream exclusively on Hulu in 2024. Now, the film promises interviews with a number of former child actors, though participants are being kept under wraps for now, but I'm excited to see how this one goes because we talk about all the time, and Disney gets a lot of flack for this, a lot of their child stars end up being kind of like, so I'm excited to see how it goes. I'm surprised it's on Hulu because Demi Lovato 
made no secret. She came out harshly against Disney and yeah. blamed almost all of her problems on Disney and the environment and the culture that it created. So the idea that a Disney-owned company is going to be where this debuts, that's pretty interesting. And I, But you know what? I think it says a lot about Iger and the leadership to know that this is probably not going to be very friendly towards Disney, but they're going to air it anyway. And that's I think that's a good thing. You got to get it out there, right? This one should become as no surprise to anybody at all whatsoever. The Dancing with the Stars ballroom is changing once again. Tyra Banks, out of there. She, of course, joined the ABC turned Disney Plus reality show as host back in 2020. Not returning next season. The supermodel first joined the reality competition show as host during season 29. Of course, replacing Tom Bergeron and Aaron Andrews, who were unexpectedly cut. Now, after hosting for two seasons alone, Alfonso Ribeiro joined as co-host for season 31, the first season that moved to Disney+. Plus. This will be one of many changes in season 32 expected to air in the fall. Len Goodman, who has been a judge since the series' debut in 2005, announced his exit during last season. And longtime pro dancers Mark Ballas and Cheryl Burke, not returning for season 32. They, should, they just need to cancel this They thing. do. Cheryl Burke said her reason for leaving is that Tom Bergeron's not there and he was the heart of the show, yeah. and it's just not the same. Exactly. Okay. Man, exactly. Well, Fox is de- developing number one Supreme Citizen of America, a single-camera hybrid comedy from comedian Peter S. Kim. Now, the comedy focuses on a U.S.-obsessed immigrant, uh, Sung Min Kim, as he attempts to ace his upcoming citizenship <laughs> test by hitting the road and learning learning what it means to be an American from the multifaceted citizens uh, of our expansive nation. Now, Kim will also write and exec- executive produce the comedy. Jim Margulis is, will serve as showrunner. Kim is a stand-up comedian, if you don't know, writer and actor who was just named Just for Laughs New Face of Comedy in 2021. He is, he's a series regular in Amazon's animated comedy Fairfax and recently filmed a sketch pilot presentation called uh, Soul Hunters for Warner Media. His additional screen credits include Curb Your Enthusiasm, Yes Day, and Spy in Disguise. Oh. So that should be interesting. And I bet a lot of Americans even learn about America itself. Yeah. So that should be interesting. Hey, anything that puts a spotlight on the process of doing it correctly, right? Yeah. That's a good thing. All right, jumping over to Warner Brothers. Discovery, like we said at the top of the show, Shazam! Fury of Gods comes out this weekend. It actually started on Thursday. You know how it goes nowadays. Well, it's expected to take the box office crown from Scream 6 when it opens fully in theaters over the weekend. But don't expect Billy Batson and the company to break any DC franchise records. Why? Because the sequel took flight last night with only $3.4 million in previews at the domestic box office, which was well behind the original movie's preview hall in 2019. The first Shazam movie made almost $6 million in the Thursday previews before opening with $53.5 million in April of 2019. It went on to gross $140 million domestically and $366 million globally. Now, Shazam Fury of the Gods is only expected to bring in between $35 and $40 million from 4,000 North American cinemas between Friday and Sunday. I think that's going to now be lower now that we've seen the Thursday preview numbers. I'm just saying. Um... And based on those estimates, uh, it's not looking good, especially since each of the Shazam movies cost $100 million Mm. to make. Shazam 2 is the weekend's only 
new nationwide release this week. So it's got that going for it, but I still think it's in trouble. Definitely. With 4,000 screens and you're only expected to make that much, that's that's on fucking Morbius level bad yeah. superheroes. Yeah. So, ah, that's rough. That's rough. Well, this is a huge surprise, guys. I did not know this was going to happen. I am just like uh, starstruck, like completely shocked. Get ready. James Gunn is directing Superman Legacy. No <laughs> fucking way. We uh, didn't expect that at all. The, uh, the filmmaker, who serves as chairman and CEO of DC Studios and partner Steve, Steve, uh, Peter Frash, uh, Safran, revealed this week that he will helm the previously announced uh, reboot of the Superman franchise. Gunn also wrote the screenplay, and Safran will produce. Su- uh, Superman Legacy also released its first plot synopsis, saying that the film tells a story of Superman's journey to reconcile his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing as Clark Kent of Smallville, Kansas. Um, he is the <laughs> embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way, guided by human kindness in the world that sees kindness as old-fashioned. Casting yet has not been announced, uh, but the film is dated for a global theatrical release July 11th of 2025, and fun fact, that is James Gunn's dad's birthday. So... There you go. Yeah, and I th- from what I understand, it's like a love letter to his dad. It's like paying homage to his dad and his upbringing and all this kind of – and he's had this story in the works for like a long time. So I guess congrats. I mean I'm excited for it. You know, I hope that it, it brings back everything we want from Superman and, and we'll see. And Hathaway, you know where you love her. She's signed on to star in a mysterious new film that David Robert Mitchell from It Follows will direct for Warner Brothers Pictures, Bad Robot, and Jackson Pictures. Now, while the pick is billed as a thrill ride to be shot in IMAX, which will head into production this fall, other details apparently are scarce at present. We don't know anything. We just know she's going to be in it. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's all you need to know, man. Well, other exciting things happening at HBO Max. The Penguin series has yes. added Michael Zegan, James Mado, and Scott Cohen to its cast of recurring roles. The three join the cast of including series lead Colin Farrell, who replies his role, obviously, as Oswald the Penguin Cobblebot from The Batman, as well as Kristen Melody. Um, from Sopranos and so many other things, White Lotus, uh, Renzia Feliz, um, Michael Kelly, Sorin, oh boy, um, <laughs> Agadashu. Agadashu, and Dari O'Connell, and Clancy Brown. HBO Max is not releasing character details for the three new editions, but sources say that Zegan is set to play Alberto Falcone. Alberto is the son of the Gotham Gotham City crime boss Carmine Falcone from the Batman film, who played was played by John Trio in the Batman, and the brother of Sophia Falcone, who will be played by Meliotti in the Penguin. Now, the comics Alberto takes credit for being the serial killer known as the Holiday Killer. Yes. Also targets Gotham gangsters on a holiday each month. The Penguin will consist of eight episodes. The series is set to continue the storyline from the film. It is believed to take place in immediate aftermath of the events of The Batman. I think this one is much anticipated and a lot of people are looking forward to it. I think so too. I am. I know I am. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm super pumped. So, you know, that little show over on HBO Max that went up against the Oscars and we just told you the Oscars saw a big jump in viewers. So that must have damaged the 
Last of Us, right? The Last of Us closed its first season with yet another triumph with an audience of 8.2 million people for episode 9, which was the season finale. The series broke its own viewership record, a significant feat considering that the finale was released opposite the Oscars, of course, like I just said. Now, a combination of Nielsen numbers and first-party data from Warner Brothers Discovery, this number accounts for those who tuned into the Sunday night airing on HBO's cable channel, as well as streams on HBO Max through the night. Now, Warner Brothers Discovery also shared that the first six episodes of the series are now averaging, get this, y'all, 30.4 million viewers, including ongoing viewership past initial airings, with episode one alone approaching 40 million total viewers in the weeks since it debuted. Ugh. So it, it's killing it, man. It really is. And a little tease for next week. We have another guest from The Last of Us coming on the show. So stay tuned yes. for that. Well, heading over to Paramount. Paramount Pictures has entered a multi-year deal. First look deal, I should say. With Parker Finn to write, produce, and direct features. Now, the pack comes on the heels of Finn's breakout horror hit, Smile, which became a sleeper box office sensation. Now, Finn also wrote and directed the creepy tale, which went on <laughs> to top the grossing original horror movie of the 2022 year. Now, ranking in about $216 million worldwide on a $17 million budget, mm. it is based on a short film uh, Laura hasn't slept. So all you filmmakers out there, you can start with a short film and then possibly get it into a feature. You just got to start somewhere. But this is super exciting. I also saw that this one is already greenlit for a sequel. Yep, yep, yep. And that's exciting. And I'm, I'm telling you, not just start with a short film, but if you want to have your best chance at making money, do a horror film. Oh, for sure. Because you can shoot them for low and they always seem to do well. Yes. That's what, I mean, look. Love it. Uh, uh, Barry Keong, the Oscar-nominated actor who is right at home in a good period, pieces in talks apparently to join Paul Mescal in Ridley Scott's untitled Gladiator sequel. Now, Scott is directing the sequel to his 2000 historical epic that starred, of course, Russell Crowe as yes. Maximus, a former general forced into becoming a gladiator under the rule of the patriarchal self-appointed Roman emperor Commodus, which, of course, was Joaquin Phoenix. The movie won the Oscar for Best Picture while Crowe took home the statue for Best Actor among the five wins for the lauded movie. Neither Crowe's nor Phoenix's character survived the proceedings, so it's obvious they won't be back in the sequel. The sequel will star Afferson um, after son Oscar nominee Mescal who is said to be playing Lucius the son of Lucila who was played by Connie Nielsen and the nephew of Phoenix's Commodus now Spencer Treat Clark played the role in the original film if a deal is made which apparently we're learning today it has been closed so he will be doing it he will play a character named Emperor Gaeta mm. now Gaeta was an actual Roman emperor although the sequel story is not based on true events and get this right before we started the show today we have just learned that the man himself Denzel I just found out, by the way, his name is Denzel, not Denzel. Yeah. Didn't yeah know. You know why? Didn't because know. his dad is Denzel. He's Denzel Jr. And his mom would say Denzel and they would both turn. So his mom started calling him Denzel to differentiate and it stuck. 
That's awesome. Trivia. Anyway, the man Denzel Washington is in final negotiations also to join the upcoming sequel, reteaming him, of course, with Scott after 2007's American Gangster. No word yet on who Washington would be playing if the deal goes through. So that's exciting, though. Predictions right here, right now. I don't even know if it's going to be good, but somebody's going to get nominated for an Oscar right, in that film. Right, right. Like, it just seems amazing. And that kid, Barry, he's fucking everywhere right now. I mean, Eternals, uh, Banshees. Now this, like, kudos to him, the man. Batman, the Batman, like, Batman. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. So good, so good. Well, our buddy Jason Ritter yeah. has signed on to join CBS's Matlock Pilots. He joins previously announced cast members, including Kathy Bates, Bates as uh, Madeline Matlock, Sky P. Marshall as Olympia, David Del Rio as Billy, Leah Lewis as Sarah, now Ritter will portray Julian, the son of the head of the firm, who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. However, he has not been underestimated. Diligent and persistent, with a lot to prove, he's at odds with uh, polarizing his, or prioritizing his family and balancing his career, as well as uh, considers the good of the firm, trying to balance everything, even if it pushes the boundaries between his work and personal life. Now, Ritter most recently starred in Netflix's Raising Dion and Candy on Hulu. Uh, he will be seen in Howard Gordon's anthology series Accused yes. uh, for Fox, as well as a guest star in Yellow Jackets on Showtime. And you guys know we love Jason Ritter. Had him on the show. A great freaking guy. It sounds like we're going to have to have him back on. Oh, heck yeah. He's been just killing it. I mean, and then, yeah, Yellow Jackets, he's got that coming up. It's this coming week's accused that he's going to be on. And you may or may not have known, but he was a clicker in The Last of Us with Melanie Linsky's last episode. He got to do a little cameo there. Epic. So he's killing it. I just want to say, it's so nice. This is now two of our previous guests and just two of the nicest people you can ever meet that are leads in a series coming up. That's True. fantastic. I love I love all the success. For sure. This is exciting, too. Once Upon a Time alumna Rebecca Mader is set for a key recurring role on CBS's drama series Fire Country. Mm. Additionally, Kanoa Goo from The Rookie has also been cast in the series. Now, Matter will play Faye, smart, stunning, funny, and rich. Faye is the head of a private concierge firefighting company, and when she meets Manny at an AA meeting, there's a romantic spark. Oh, now, Faye wants to recruit him for her firm and a romantic fling. Manny, of course, likes his job with Three Rock, but doesn't much like being alone, so Faye's at least going to have to settle for 50% of her goal. <laughs> I guess that means he's going to shack up? I don't know. Goo will play Kyle, who has arrived to attend a swim clinic. He knows Gabriella well enough to tease her and appears interested in acting as Bodie's new romantic rival. Oh, shit. Now, Gabriella definitely regards Kyle as a trusted friend, but he looks suspicious like he's trying to nudge his way into her heart. Mm. We don't want that. No, we don't want that at all, but we <laughs> love Fire Country, and we have another person from Fire Country about to come on the show, too. Yes! Stay tuned for that one. That's a couple <laughs> weeks down the line. Now, Garrett Hudlin has been cast in a recurring guest role in Taylor Sheridan's forthcoming Bass Reeves. Yes. Series set at Paramount Plus. He will portray Garrett Montgomery, a so-called pose man uh, of an era uh, whose Bass hires for his writing know-how and his expertise of the area. 
Now, he joins previously announced cast stars, including lead and executive producer David Aiello and series regulars Lauren E. Banks, Demi Singleton, Forrest Goodlock, and Barry Pepper. Now, Dennis Quaid and uh, Grantham Coleman will also appear in recurring roles. Hedlund can currently be seen in Paramount Plus's Tulsa King. I wonder who did that one. Yeah. Oh, Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> um, he will also star in the film The Tudor, which is scheduled for March 24th, a theatrical release. So, guy's killing it. Yeah, and in my version of why this week, a series adaptation of Gattaca is in development at Showtime. Exact plot details of the series are still under wraps, but sources say that Alex Ganza is attached to serve as showrunner and executive producer, with Ganza's partner Howard Gordon also executive producing. Now, they co-created the show with Craig Borton, who also executive produces. Sony Pictures Television will produce, with Ganza and Gordon currently under an overall deal at the independent studio. Sources stress that deals for the project are not yet closed. Showtime and Sony declined to comment. Now, the original Gattaca, and this is why I'm asking why, was released in 1997 and was written and directed by Andrew Nuckel, with the film also serving as Nichols' directorial debut. Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman starred along with Jude Law, Alan Arkin, Lauren Dean, Ernest Borgnine, Gore Vidal, and Xander Berkeley. Now, with that cast, you think, fuck, it's got to be awesome, right? No. The film was not a commercial success upon its release, grossing just $12.5 million against a $36 million budget. $12.5 million. Now, with that cast, if it couldn't do well, why would you think a series is? Yeah. I, 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 this is a bad idea. That's a really bad idea, man. Oh, boy. Uh, well, heading over to NBC Universal. Following her critically acclaimed work in Normal People and Where the Crawdads Sing, Daisy Edgar Jones has found herself a first student studio temple as she is set to star in twisters um the new <laughs> chapter to the 1996 box office hit for uh, ablin entertainment and universal pictures lee isaac chung is on board to direct this bad boy with a script by mark l smith now starring helen hunt and bill paxton twister was a massive hit back in yes. 1996 scoring more than 494 million dollars at the box office Thanks in no small part to the film's groundbreaking special effects. Yes. I hope this one has the same effect as well because, I mean, Twister was so iconic. Um, but I'm sad to say I feel like not a lot of people go to theatrical releases like they did back then. So I'm hoping, you know, this will change it a little bit. Yeah, I'm hoping so too because I'm excited for it. I've long yeah. thought it should have a sequel. I, unfortunately, Dusty. Philip Seymour Hoffman, probably not going to. And, of course, Bill Paxton, not yeah. going to be. But we'll see. We'll see if any of their originals, uh, other than them, show up in it. It'll be interesting. Lana Condor, Tony Collette, and Jane Fonda are playing a family of sea monster queens in DreamWorks Animation's upcoming film, Ruby Gilman, mm. Teenage Kraken. Now, Condor voices Ruby, a shy teenager who discovers that she's part of a legendary royal lineage of mythical sea krakens and that her destiny in the depths of the oceans is bigger than than she ever dreamed. 
Colette plays her mother, who forbade Ruby from ever stepping foot into the water. And Fonda is her grandmother, from whom Ruby's is destined to intent the throne, inherit the throne of the Kraken Queens. Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken releases in theaters in June, at the end of June. So that sounds interesting. And Jane Fonda's killing it too. She's That's what I was just lately. about to say. I mean, despite what you think about her as a person or her politics or anything else she does in her personal life, she is such like she comes from Hollywood royalty. And she's still like killing it. Yeah. Every single year, she has two or three projects that come out. So good for her, man. I, I love the work ethic. That's what we love to see. For sure. Uh, Wicked Universal's big screen adaptation of the hit Broadway musical is landing in theaters on November 27th of 2024. Now, this is a month ahead of schedule. Oh. The movie was initially scheduled to open on December 25th. But the studio felt it would be better positioned around Thanksgiving compared to Christmas. Though the release calendar will change over the next two years, there's currently only a Disney animation placeholder on the docket during Thanksgiving of 2024. Now, by comparison, Christmas time is stacked with Avatar 3, as well as Sonic the Hedgehog 3, and now uh, Jom Chu's uh, Wicked. Now, which is set to split in two parts, mind you. For the now, the second installment is set to uh, release a year later on December 25th of 2025. So that one is apparently going to stay there. Now, right now, apparently there aren't any more Avatar sequels planned for 2025. And that's still, you know, like two, three years away. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, You know, as well as we do, they make a lot of shifts to this theatrical release calendar. all the time. All the time. So we're going to find out. Man, this is exciting because I I, I really enjoy this show and I'm I'm glad it's kind of going on. Bel Air has been renewed for season three at Peacock. The dramatic reboot, of course, of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air is currently airing its second season on the streamer with the season finale set to run on April 27th. Now, this marks actually the first renewal for the show. You're saying, wait, what? It's in season two. But if you guys remember, it was originally picked up for two seasons back in 2020. So this is the first renewal of it. We're watching little Akira Akbar grow up before our eyes. So cool. Another She's like one a grown ass yeah. woman now. Like, it's so scary. It's wild. <laughs> I haven't started the second season yet, but I'm super excited to. I'm trying to go one show at a time. Right. Um, now, this one, I feel like this is the necessary way or the, I feel like the most, you know, approachable way to do like a revision. Yes. Peacock has ordered a Monk Reunion film with the original series stars and creators all returning. Now, Tony Shahor uh, will once again star as Adrian Monk, a counseling detective who suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder and a wide range of phobias. Other returning cast members include Ted Levine as Leland uh, Stodemeyer, uh, tra- Trailer uh, Howard as Natalie Teeger, Jason Gray Stanford as Rander Disher, uh, Randy Disher, and Maria uh, Hardin as Troby Monk, and of course Hector Alizondo as Dr. Nevin, Nevin Bell. Yes. Officially titled The Monk's Last Case, a Monk movie, the film sees <laughs> Monk return to solve one last and very personal case involving his beloved stepdaughter, Molly, a journalist preparing for her wedding. Ooh, very good. I, this was a hit. I feel like it's a cult classic, so I think this is the proper way to revisit characters that they know and love, so I'm excited for oh, it. Oh, yeah, I'm excited, too. You know, Trailer Howard, I used to, way back in the day, she starred on a 
two guys, a girl, and a pizza parlor with Ryan Reynolds before they changed it to just two guys and a girl. And then, of course, Monk and everything. But way back in the day when they first announced that they were considering doing a live-action Harley Quinn, Mm -hmm. she was my pick. Mm. I think she would have been brilliant. I I still think she could pull off the character pretty well. Um, But, yeah, she was just in her heyday. She would have been perfect as Harley Quinn. For sure. Just saying. Better than Lady Gaga. (laughs) Peacock. This one sounds really interesting. I'm super pumped for this one. Peacock has set the cast for their adaptation of The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Now, Jonah Howard King, The Little Mermaid, and Anna Prokin from Baptiste are set as the leads of the drama series with Yellow Jacket star Melanie Linsky also set. Also killing it. She's everywhere. The series tells the true life story of uh, Lele Sokolov, a Jewish prisoner who is given the job of tattooing identification numbers on fellow prisoners' arms in the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp during World War II. One day, he meets Gita when tattooing her prisoner number on her arm. They experience love at first sight, and so begins a courageous, unforgettable, and human story told through one man's memory and experience of Auschwitz Birkenau. It's a tale of the very best of humanity in the very worst of circumstances. Um, Tali Shalman Azar uh, is attached to direct all six episodes. The series is currently in production and will air in 2024. That is a really original idea based on like a story that probably nobody has heard of, but that's going to be awesome. Yeah, talk about yeah original idea. I love to see that. That's what we love. That's what we love to report on for ItCap Podcast. Not these reboots, not these revisions. Oh, I'm just I'm so happy to and see you, that. You know, you hear all the time about the the, the numbers, right? Yeah. The tattoos during World War II, the all these. Did you ever once think about who did those? Was it soldiers or was it a prisoner forced to do it on other prisoners? Exactly. I'm so glad to see this, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, heading over to Sony, Vanessa Hutchins is set to reprise her role as weapons expert Kelly in Bad Bad Boys 4. There you go. With Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Now, Smith and Lawrence revealed earlier this year that they are re-teaming for a fourth Bad Boys movie, which has been pre-production at the moment with at Sony Pictures with Bad Boys Life directors Aldi El Arbari and uh, Bali Faha returning to the helm from the script of Chris Brimner. Now, plot details are being kept under wraps, but we hear the film uh, starting or uh, will start filming within the next few months. So that's exciting. I mean, the third one went over pretty well, and it was it really did. entertaining. So I'm excited to see what they do with the fourth one. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good, and and good for them for getting a job. Those names sound familiar, guys. That's the Batgirl directors that got their shit canned. So I'm glad to see them. <laughs> rebounding nicely. Uh, Lionsgate. Let's jump over to Lionsgate. We don't normally have a lot with Lionsgate, but here we go. They announced that it's Kingdom Story Company drama, Ordinary Angels, starring two-time Oscar winner Hilary Swank, who's, of course, on Alaska Daily right now, and Alan Richardson from Reacher will open wide on October 13th. The film is now set to debut against the continuation of horror classic The Exorcist from Universal. Now, based on the remarkable true story and directed by John Gunn, The Unbreakable Boy, uh, Ordinary Angels, centers on Sharon Steves, a fierce but struggling hairdresser in a small town, Kentucky, who discovers a renewed sense of purpose when she meets Ed Schmidt, a widower working hard to make ends meet for his two daughters. With his youngest daughter waiting for a liver transplant, Sharon sets her mind to helping the family and will move mountains to do it. 
It sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll Hillary see. Hillary Swank. I mean, who, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, come on now. Now heading over to Amazon MGM, Game of Thrones alumni, Jeremy Padusa has signed on to direct the pilot of Amazon Prime's upcoming limited release, Blade Runner 2099. Oh. Now, Jeremy most recently, uh, the DGA Awards nominated director behind HBO Max's Station 11, will also serve as producing director and executive producer of Blade Runner 2099, the, a TV sequel to the film uh, Blade Runner 2049, itself a sequel landmark in the, from the original Blade Runner. Uh, the new series comes from showrunner executive producer Silka Louisa from Shining Girls. Now, Ridley Scott is also executive producing this thing, um, which comes from Alkin Entertainment and Scott Free Productions. Mm. Also joining the writer's room is uh, Tom Spizelli from The Leftovers, who originally served as an executive producer. He, uh, The series is in the works in November, it was in the works in November of 2021. While Amazon revealed it is in development in February of 2022, the series was officially ordered last September. Now, plot details of the new Prime Video series remains under wraps. But you see, guys, things go so back and forth every once in a while. You just got to keep going. As long as the wheels are turning, that's all that matters. That's right. Sometimes it takes years to get your shit made. That's just how it goes. Oscar Isaac, you know him, you love him, is in discussions to lead Helltown. The series is currently in development at Amazon. Now, according to the logline, the hour-long eight-episode crime thriller follows the life of Kurt Vonnegut before he became known to the world as a renowned author. In 1969, Kurt was a struggling novelist and car salesman living with life with his wife and five children on Cape Cod. When two women disappear and are later discovered murdered underneath the sand dunes on the outskirts of Provincetown, Kurt becomes obsessed and embroiled in the chilling hunt for a killer and forms a dangerous bond with the prime suspect. Mm. Now, Robert Downey Jr., Susan Downey uh, will executive produce through their team Downey Banner alongside and Amanda Burrell. Oscar Isaac and Gina Konstankamas serve as executive producers for Mad Gene. So there you go. There you go, man. Well, heading over to Netflix, just days after winning the Oscar for Best Animated Feature for his dark take on Pinocchio, Gelmero Del Toro is ready to look for the cast of his next film. We are hearing that Andrew Garfield, Oscar Isaac, Mia Goth is in early talks to star in his Netflix live-action Frankenstein movie, which Del Toro will write and direct. Now, Del Toro has been developing the project based on the English author Mary Shelley's 1818 novel for several years now, but it's unclear how faithful he intends to interpret the source material. Now, Frankenstein is a part of the filmmaker's multi-year deal with Netflix, while Del Toro has a number of projects in various stages of development. You guys know the line. Conversations about Frankenstein are in the very early stages, but I feel like if anybody is able to do this, he is. Oh, yeah. And with that cast, I'm all in. Like, that sounds amazing. Exactly. You know what's not all in? Netflix on Nancy Meyers' comeback. Apparently not. Netflix has pulled the plug on Nancy Meyer's next movie, a star-studded romantic comedy that would have marked the director's first film in years. Over budget concerns. 
Sources with knowledge of the project and the filmmaker uh, say they are looking into other options to make the movie. Now, prior to the film, reportedly titled Paris Paramount, being shelved, Mm. Scarlett Johansson, Penelope Cruz, Owen Wilson, and Michael Fassbender were being courted for the lead roles. Now, pending talent availability, the project will be shopped to prospective buyers as a package, and we're hearing that Warner Brothers is apparently in early talks to acquire the project. Sources stress that no deal is done and that the talks are exploratory, but they add there is something to it and discussions have begun on various details. Netflix also declined to comment. This was an expensive one. She wanted a $150 million budget. Netflix said they'd go 130, which is what they did, and they started the process and now they backed out because apparently it looked like she was going to go over that 130 and try to get to her 150 Mm. so of course it only makes sense that the studio that's slashing everything to try to save money is going to try to buy it right like come on goodness gracious that sounds like a lot (laughs) Uh, netflix released the trailer for its highly anticipated dark comedy series beef which stars Steven Yoon and Ali, Ali Wong alongside the first look footage. The streamer also unveiled a debut date of April 6th. Oh. Now, the show will, will compromise of 10 episodes with a runtime of roughly 30 minutes each. The series follows the aftermath after two strangers get into a road rage incident and causing a big reaction. Now, failing our, yeah, failing contractor Danny Chow, who's played by Steven, but says, with picture-perfect entrepreneur (laughs) Amy Lau, who's played by Wong, following the entanglement. As their feud continues, it begins to impact their own lives and relationships. That's good, though, because I mean, I feel like we need more good half-hour comedies. We don't have a lot right now. Yeah, and it's dark, so you two be... And who hasn't been in a good road rage argument, right? Come on! <laughs> Netflix set the spring premiere date for The Diplomat, a political thriller drama series starring Carrie Russell. The eight-episode, one-hour series will launch April 20th on the streamer. Now, created by Deborah Chan from Homeland in the West wing the diplomat is a high stakes contemporary political drama about the transcendence and torture of long-term relationships between countries and people it centers on kate weiler played of course by carrie the new u.s ambassador to the united kingdom she was supposed to go to afghanistan Hmm. she's great in crisis zone in a historic home less so uh war is brewing on the continent and boiling over on another. Kate will have to defuse international crises, forge strategic alliances in London, and adjust to her new place in the spotlight, all while trying to survive her marriage to fellow career diplomat and political star, Hale Weiler. Hmm. Interesting. Is it going to come out that she's actually a Russian? Maybe. No. <laughs> I feel like if that's you know where it's her, going. You love her from the Americans, man. I'm just glad to see her back in a role. It's going to be good. For sure, man. For sure. Well, John Mulaney's newest stand-up special titled John Mulaney Baby J will premiere April 25th on Netflix. It marks Mulaney's third Netflix comedy special following 2015's The Comeback Kid and 2018 Kid Gorgeous. One of uh, his earlier comedy hours in 2020, uh, 2012's New New in Town is also available on Netflix. And uh, Burt Kreischer's new 
uh, hour is also available on Netflix right now. It's called Razzle Dazzle. It's fucking hilarious. Be yes. sure to check it out. Have you seen Mulaney's in uh, Olivia Munn's Baby? Mm-mm. Just adorable, man. Yep. Just freaking adorable. I'm happy for them. Uh, let's jump over to Apple to end this industry news segment. Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. And Woody Harrelson are apparently reuniting on screen once again, this time for a new Apple TV Plus comedy from creator David West Reed. And this time, McConaughey and Harrelson are actually playing versions of themselves. Mm. In Reed's untitled 10-episode half-hour comedy, McConaughey and Harrelson, along with their families, attempt to live together on McConaughey's Texas ranch. And of course, the close confines puts the storied friendship to the test. Now, the logline says, Apple TV Plus calls the new show a heartfelt, odd couple love story revolving around the strange and beautiful bond between Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> the two of them living together on McConaughey's ranch is going to be fucking hysterical. Oh, for I'm sure, I'm just man. saying. That's really exciting. Well, what's also really exciting is our guest segment. Oh, my goodness. Billy Bob Thornton is back to being a fucking badass. Woo! Okay. Griff First is coming on the show to talk about his new film, Devil's Peak, that he produced with Billy Bob Thornton, Robin White, and a right and a couple of others in there man oh man i'm really freaking pumped for everybody to hear this one. Oh, me too man he dives deep into the movie and what billy bob's actually like on set he also gives us a, a lot of insight as to what it was like growing up with a famous parent and being on set all the time yeah. did that help him or not you're gonna find out in this interview and so much more man this is a really good one for the up-and-comers it is man it is well here he is Griff first, welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you tonight? Oh, it's good to be in here. I'm doing good, man. I'm just hanging on a Friday, working on some movies. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Well, we're super pumped to talk to you, dude. Devil's Peak looks intense as shit. So, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, man, he's a scary guy, man. So we're excited to talk about that. But we're also really excited to talk to you because, you know, you're behind the camera as well as in front of the camera, right? Acting, directing, producing. So uh, we're, we're going to dive well into that because we always love talking to people who are all in you know and not just one aspect or the other um but what we want to do to start off is uh do a little introduction for the listeners who might not be familiar with who you are um how did you get started man we 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 do we do know that dad was in the industry as well right um was that how you kind of like oh i want to do this or did you fall into it did you run the other direction and say no way i'm doing that or talk about it man how'd you get started hundred percent. I mean, your parents being in an in industry, any industry is kind of uh, it, it, I, probably statistically, whatever, whether they're a dentist or whatever, I'm sure a high percentage of the kids of those folks end up in that industry for sure. So I grew up on set, was on set for longer than I can remember. It's there like my go. baby pictures are on, you know, my dad's lap in a director's chair when I'm two years old. I don't remember meeting Chuck Norris, but I was there. Uh, <laughs> I got a picture to prove it. Uh, my brother's got a picture of Michelle Pfeiffer holding him in the in the delivery room. Oh uh, my shit. goodness, man! Which okay. is pretty cool too. So let's so say, yeah, I, I was I was exposed to it from before I could remember. So naturally, had a had an inclination to gravitate towards that uh, line of work. I mean, just grew up everything movies like all the time, watching movies, being on movie sets. I swear, I was on set more than I was in school. Like I would miss school to go hang out on the set of Babylon Five in particular because. I love that set. It was like six sound stages filled with spaceships. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was 12, so it's like I lived there. Um, so it, it was uh, it, it was pretty obvious that that's 
where I'd want to go. But um, have, having been exposed to that kind of world right away, I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. It's what my dad does. I'll just do this. And I didn't want to start working until I graduated high school. So I didn't start looking for work until I was 18. Couldn't get any work until I was about 21 because I had no training. I had observational experience. Right. And so after about two years and a thousand auditions and not getting shit, um, I'm like, all right. I, I called a couple uh, actors I knew and I said, what, what do you suggest? Like, obviously, I, I didn't I didn't realize when I was 18 how highly trained and specialized everybody on a movie set is, including the actors. Right. And so I learned the hard way that uh just because I grew up in the industry, nobody's going to give me a shot without knowing what the fuck I'm doing. So I, I took a year or so to figure out what the fuck I'm doing and, and continued. I studied super hard for like four years, but after about a year in school of studying everything, I just started working nonstop. And I would have kept kept studying because I love that environment. But after four years, I ended up being on set every day. And that was 20 years ago or something. Now. Oh, wow. for sure. And I feel like, yeah. you know, in this industry, it's all about who you know more than what you know a little bit. Um, so with kind of being a Nepo baby, I mean, did you <laughs> use that to your advantage a little bit? Like to be like, hey, I mean, I have this, you know, hands on experience, but not this technicality class experience. Did you ever like put your dad's name out there? Uh, You know, what? in a different way, because yeah. like he was. He was producing and directing, right? So it's like he, um, like he was doing a. It was actually a a, a nonprofit video for diabetes, oh. um, and I was, I think at that time I was seventeen, and he threw me in as a sound mixer because I was in bands and stuff, and so I knew that world, yeah. and I ran really good sound. So I mean that counts. Um, and then like he uh, he did some smaller movies too, where he'd throw me in a, a role. Like I remember the first time I was on camera was on an episode of Babylon Five. And I was, I think, 15 at the time, and he was directing the episode. And it was a background part. Like, yeah. But one of the 20 extras, me being one of them, got to be in the front of the camera and run with their gun out. And he's like, you go, because I'm his kid. And the other background had been working on that show for years were so mad at me. Like, <laughs> -year -old kid. like you just got here. That's not fair. It's like, okay. But, but beyond, like, little nuggets like that, my dad wasn't famous enough where I could just be like, oh, my dad's Spielberg. Right. You know, let me... And having worked actually with a lot of kids whose parents were famous, it's not like you can't, the nepotism doesn't work without an tremendous amount of talent mm. and discipline. Right. Really. It's, somebody's famous regardless of who their parents are, whether it's Kate Hudson um, or Colin Hanks. It's like those fuckers are trained hardcore and they've worked their asses off because I know a lot of kids of famous parents who didn't do the training and didn't work their asses off and they're not getting the opportunities uh, that some other people are. That's an excellent suck, point. Yeah, exactly. Become, yeah, yeah. It's like if you suck, you got a bad attitude. You know, you're not a pleasure to be around. It's like nobody's going to call you to come to set. Exactly. And and I love that you say that. I love that you bring that up because that's the reality for anybody trying to get into this industry, even if you are the kid of a famous person. You know, you got to bring your stuff. You got to show that you've got the talent. You got to be a decent person. People got to like you because, you know, nobody wants to work with an asshole. Like, it's just no, it's especially nowadays. Like, I feel like it used to, like in the 90s, maybe before social media, it used to be more tolerable. But now, if you're a difficult person to work with, no matter what department you're in, it gets around pretty quick and For you're not sure. going to keep 
Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So obviously like you could just tell when you were talking early about the enthusiasm and the passion that you have about being on set, right? Like when you were a kid and all that, because I know, I know for us, like, and, and for me, for sure that like, there's nothing that matches that feeling of being on a set, you know, regardless of what you're doing in front of the camera, behind the camera. It's like such an awesome feeling and such an awesome place to be. So having that and then getting the training and starting to get work and everything, did you have an avenue like, okay, I, I want to just be in front of the camera? Or did you know from the get-go that you were going to maybe transition behind the camera as well to do the directing and the producing? Because I got to be honest with you, producing, you don't hear a lot of people say, I want to be a producer because that's some hard shit, man. And like, yeah, you don't hear people say that. So so what was it? Did you think I'm going to act for a little bit and then make this move? Or did you even think that you would go behind the camera? Well, I, I, I joke about the, that there's, but it's, there's truth in jest that there must be a shortage of good producers. Cause I have, didn't go to college. I have zero experience. The only thing I'm trained in is acting. Yeah. But as soon as I started producing, which was not really intentional. Um, like I can't, I, I can't, I can't get away from it. It's like, my phone is constantly ringing being like, we need somebody to do this, please. Like to produce this thing. And I'm like, you think that more people would want to produce or at least be good at it enough for people to be calling them. But it's like, I'm an actor and apparently um, one of few people who can produce movies because there's a shortage of good producers. Right. Uh, not so much of good actors, a lot of good actors. Um, but to, no, to answer the question, like I, I only wanted to act hundred percent. I had no interest in anything else. However, my father had always put in my ear ever since I was little. He's like, I support you acting, but do something else because I can't tell you how stressful it was having two young kids and having to rely on auditions to get jobs. And, you know, if you're super hot for 10 years, which is, you know, goes in cycles, which he was from like the late seventies to the early nineties. Um, and then he lost a bunch of weight. And so we started having to audition again. He, he, you know, especially as I got older, he revealed to me how, how much anxiety he had, sure. like relying on other people. So he's like, just do other things. And now he said, ah, fuck it. I'm going to be bigger than Johnny Depp. Um, but it was always still in the back of my mind. And then when I was in scene study class studying acting, my, my teacher, um, he's like, I think you'd be a good director. Why don't you direct this play? And so I'm like, cool, I'm up for a challenge. So I did the play and it, it, uh, it was an original like one act play and everybody seemed to really like it. And so another kid who was in class is like, I got five grand on my credit card. Do you want to turn this into a short film? And so I'm like, sure, we'll fuck around with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like early 20s. So we like did the thing. We rented a box band and got $1,000 worth of equipment and didn't sleep for like three days and just shot and shot as much as we could. And it came out well. I got into LA Film Fest and there was this weird wannabe producer guy who was on meth. I came to find out later. Oh, goodness. Uh, like, I want to make a movie with you, man. You're cool. And and do you want to write, direct uh, and, and, and do this horror movie? And I'm like, Sure. And he agreed to pay me a thousand bucks, never gave me the money. Uh, we made the movie for 30 grand, but then Lionsgate picks it up. Um, and then, so that's just like kept kind of happening. It's like, especially like I didn't seek out low budget film at all. Like I did not think that, but it's just like the way that the opportunities came, like all of a sudden people were making really tiny movies where we're like, can you please make more of these for me? And so it just kind of happened that way. My focus always kind of stayed on acting. But as I got older and people were asking me to do bigger budget stuff, I'm like, this is cool. I love working with great people and and producing these movies with Billy and Morgan Freeman. It's like that's the, that's uh that's satisfying and appealing in oh, a way. Sure. I still I still love doing everything, but um I like working with great artists and producing is is uh uh 
I have a whole slate of movies I can produce and great artists, so I'm gonna keep making them. Hell yeah. I think that's special though, because you know, you have you you have an idea of what you want your career to be. And this then this other thing kind of just I guess lands in your lap in a sense to where you're able to do these things and work with these people. So I think because this podcast is meant for the up and comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. So I think something they should take away from what you just said is to be open to everything, be open to new challenges coming your way because you can be very successful at doing different things that aren't just in front of the camera. So I think a lot of people will definitely take that away from what you just said, like I said. And I think I think it makes you better. Like even if you only want to be in front of the camera, it's like when I started producing, I was like, oh, I got to really learn screenwriting. So right. I, I identify what a great script is. And so I dove super heavy into that. Um, all self-taught, like seminars, reading, reading books by people um, and all that shit. And so, it, but it, it helped me be a better actor because I'm like, oh, there's like this, there's all these different characters which serve a purpose in the story, which I now understand. So now when I'm on page 38 and I'm either, whether I'm character A, B, C, or D, I know that the screenwriter's intention is for this to be happening to move the story along. So it kind of helps give you direction as an actor of where to, and also editing an edit as well. That also helps as an actor because you oh, know, for sure. you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's great. I, I feel like, as an actor, I feel like anytime you can get any experience behind the camera in any position, it's going to make you better at what you do. And I, I feel like, you know, you know, everybody should at least at once in their lifetime say, hey, I'm going to check this out or I'm going to check that out and, and learn how to do that. Ask questions, right? We tell everybody, if you're lucky enough to get on a set, ask questions, right? It, it, like find out as much as you can, learn as much as you can. It's an invaluable tool to be able to take with you no matter what you're trying to do in your career. So don't blow it by not asking if you want to know something. Um, I, th I think and that's fantastic. Say even on top of that, like, like ask questions and just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> say yes until it doesn't make sense anymore. Cause that's kind of like, you know, people would ask me to do things, even if I had zero experience, I would say yes. And then I go find the most reliable person in that department and ask questions. Yes. You know, there you like, go. Hey, I said I was going to do this. Teach me what you know. Right. Right. Uh, I, I, yeah. Love that. And you know, one thing that, that popped out at me, like you said, as a producer, you get to work with all this incredible talent, right? As an actor, who knows if you ever get in a film with Morgan Freeman, but as a producer, you know, you could totally hire Morgan yeah. Freeman and be right. So that, that's yeah, such a great totally. opportunity. So you can definitely create your own destiny. Oh um, yeah. A little bit. Like you have control over literally everything. It's like how, how much of a superhuman effort can you put in to make it happen? is really the limit um that's right um, yeah with with acting you're just you're up to so many decisions it's like even as a producer director when i'm casting when you get down to the callback phase it's like any of these actors can play this role it's like they got here so they're definitely talented enough it just comes down to like all these little things and, and a bunch of different opinions and then sometimes it comes down to well it's like oh the executive producer this guy knows him and he's his friend and he's calling him and he's and it's like so sometimes not even who the director or the producer thinks is best for the part ends up with the part because there's some kind of outside force, which is always mm. a different circumstance driving that decision. For sure. Now, as an actor, I got to ask, as somebody who's been in front of the camera and been on that side of it as an actor, are you an actor friendly producer director? Like, <laughs> or oh, just yeah. no? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you know, oh, right. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's like in, yeah, because I mean, especially my dad was an actor. You know, so it's like I, I get I get the personality. I get what an actor needs in order to do their best work. 
You know what I mean? It's like they 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 are a royalty on set. And it's like acting's not hard in the way that producing's hard. Like it's not as laborious. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard in a sense that the, your confidence level and how you're feeling about everything is going to affect your performance on any given day. So it's like it should be everybody's job on production to treat. There's like, there's a reason why the procedures are, which may seem silly to an outsider, where it's like actors are treated a little bit like royalty because it's all going on camera. And they need to feel, they're all people, right? And so they have, they're subject to ups and downs and what's up, but they, they need to be feeling as good as possible for the benefit of the whole movie. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, I want to talk about Devil's Peak, the one you are on to promote. And man, oh man, if you could, because we watched the trailer and it's very gritty, it's very like, boom, right there in your face. If you could, what is your elevator pitch? If you got into an elevator with, say, I don't know, like Kevin Feige or anybody, uh, one of these big, massive producers, what would you, how would you try to pitch this film? It's a, it's a very dark coming of age story mm. and i think in order to pitch the film you have to be like and i got billy bob to play exactly right what billy bob <laughs> which is a very dangerous redneck it's like that's the pitch because the story it's like that's what makes the the thing interesting it's like i love the story itself it's very eloquently written it's like it's almost like redneck uh shakespeare like kind of like deadwood or appaloosa the other movie that the writer has written um but i think the cast and the performance is what brings it all together because the story is simple it's crime it's about a father-son relationship gone terribly wrong. Uh-huh. And and it's a coming-of-age story of this kid who's who's got everything working against him, including his father, who he works for, is withholding his wages so he can't leave the family business was his meth. Uh-huh. And he's trying to escape from the most dangerous man in the world. Yeah. Which is Billy Bob <laughs> and his ex-wife, Robin Wright. So it's like if, if, if I'm in the elevator with them, I'm like, I got Billy Bob, I got Robin Wright. And if they like it, you're going to like it. That's my elevator pitch. Hell yeah. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, the cast is just unreal. Like, I, I love, though, like a scary redneck meth guy, Billy Bob Thornton. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. When we saw it, like, the very first, when you see him pop up in the trailer, you're like, shit, that is, that smile, that is, like, creepy as shit, bro. So, and another thing that I liked is is kind of the opposite with the, with the cast is uh jackie earl haley who's normally always the creepy bad guy right it's a good guy in this he's a cop i'm like wait a minute what so that was really he, he cool he might be a good guy he might be, he might be <laughs> i love it i love it we'll see so but that was uh, good okay. I, lo- I love he's a great actor too so this is a phenomenal cast for sure it, it is great casting it's like especially for young filmmakers it's like the one thing that took me a while to learn which i think is invaluable it's like when you get a piece of material I spend, just like as an actor, if I got a script, I'd spend a lot of time reading that, making sure I know my shit. It, it's the same thing as a producer. It's like, if I, if I get a script, like it's easy. I'll back up saying that I get a lot of submissions being like, hey, I wrote this script and I think Brad Pitt is great for this role. It's like, cool. He has his own company. He's pretty busy. So <laughs> probably right. not going to happen. Um, but not to say that it can't happen, but I try to really marinate on who's perfect for the material and who, who will think the material is perfect for them before mm. any offer goes out to any actor. Cause it's real easy to be like, Oh, if I can get uh miles teller attached to this, it's a, it's a slam dunk. So I'm going to submit this. But if you really think about it, like it might, that role might not be in his first circle of casting or whatever it is. So I try to like really marinate on who is the ideal person, like n- not just casting wise, but like also like in their career, like Billy Bob can do anything he wants. But when you look at it, he hasn't done, what he was famous for 
in a while. Like the sling blades, the U-turns, he played this kind of yeah. character. Early in his career, he played this kind of character. But now he's, you know, he's lawyers. He can do anything. He was bad Santa. But he, but it's like, you look at it and you're like, he'd probably like to revisit something like this because he does it so well and it's been a minute. And so when you make the offer coming from a place of where you've kind of informed yourself, I think you stand a, a really good chance of attaching that person to it. Oh, for sure. And I think what what this film provides to the audience and that connectability is being torn in many different directions because you can see on the son's face in the trailer like, okay, I know this is a bad situation. Literally everybody and their mother is telling me to get away from this guy who is my dad. But then at the same time, I still love him and I'm still trying to figure everything out. And, and yeah, with the whole thing with the drug dealing and trying to get out and then punching the cop in the face and like all this <laughs> shit, man. Like, I mean, it's so gritty. Like I said, and then beginning but i think there's that connectability of you know being torn in many different directions and just trying to sit down and think about what to do next so i think a lot of people will relate to that in that aspect yeah yeah that's what it's about it's about hopper penn who plays jacob the kid he uh he does he's very good at doing the james dean brooding oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so okay let, let's talk about you because you have a phenomenal cast, right? You know it's gonna it's gonna hit, it's gonna work. So now, as a producer, we're in this world of theatrical or streaming. So, with the producer cap back on, did you have intention? Like, are we only gonna go for the streamer here? Is this where we want to take it? Do we absolutely want a theatrical release, and we're only gonna accept that? Or did you always kind of envision? Because you're out in both, right? You, you were, yeah. you did do both. Did you did you know you always wanted to do both, or was there one that you were trying for and then got lucky to get both, or how did that all play out as the producer? I mean, it's 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 very tough as the producer, unless you're also the distributor. To be able to, and also unless you're a massive name in the space, right? To be able to delegate what, what kind of release you're going to get with the picture, and there's there's really two ways to produce an independent picture: is you can raise private money right. and just make the movie, and and say to yourself, "This we're going to make this the best we can. We're going to get a Sundance or Toronto, and Apple's going to make us a twenty five million dollar offer, and everybody's super happy about it." Right. The statistical likelihood of that happening is extremely low. It's about 4%. Right. Um, so just make a movie with money and see a profit on that money. It's very low because I learned on the first movie I made like this, when I took it to the distributors, they were like, this is a cool movie. We didn't ask you to make it, so we'll give you about half of what you made it for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and that's kind of like that's what's going to happen unless – you're in a huge festival where you get this social proof and all of a sudden there's multiple people that want it. You really need multiple people that really want this movie right. in order to up the price for more than you made it for. Otherwise, people will say it's a good movie and we'll make money off of it, but only by giving you half of what you paid for. Um, now, I wish I could just take keep taking swings like that because it leaves everything open. Um, sure. The whole world and the, movies, the movie has the sky is the limit. The other way to do it is to pre-sell the movie to the degree that you can so that you have the the, the trade-off is is you have very little to no risk you're really your only risk is if it turns into man of la mancha and like all your equipment floats down the river <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so you have little to no risk it's like the the buyer it, it requires the buyer having some trust in you mm-hmm. that you're going to do what you say you're going to do um and having some cast and it's like so we took so on this one it's like we got the the package together and we said we need $7 million to make this movie. And so we start talking to all the buyers all around the world in North America, in Germany, in France, and saying, hey, we got this. 
and then X company in France will say, we'll pay you 650 for that movie, 650,000 for that movie. The US will say, we'll give you 2 million for that movie. And then so you you kind of do, it's not a bidding war, it's just the marketplace. Right. So you just talk to your friends and relationships of who will do what, and then you collect all those contracts and, and that's just your collateral. So you have this stack of contracts from across the world. You say, I got $7 million to make this movie. And then you take that to the bank like you're closing a house and they lend you the money. So that's the more, I'd say, common and responsible way to produce an independent movie. Yep. The more wild ride by the seat of your pants is just like, let me raise a bunch of money, make the best movie I can, and let's hope for the best and see what happens. Um, so those are the two, those are the two kind of strategies as an indie producer. Or you could take it to a studio or Netflix and see if they want to come on and they'll just buy you out. Then it's not an indie anymore. They'll be like, Yeah, we'll give you your fee and you make us this movie and it's ours. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Very interesting. And with having all of these different tasks and all of these different, you know, pressures, I guess you could say. Mental health has been a lot really big for us uh, these past couple of years, so we like to incorporate that into our interview segments. And another aspect of it is working on dark, gritty projects like this and with the pressure of bringing producing. So how does mental health affect you and how do you how are you able to continue moving forward and making a great project like this? Yeah, you, you really have to have a, a, a certain mindset. I don't, I don't think producing is for everybody because it's just it's it's such a stressful position yeah. that I feel like you have to be a pretty calm person in general to uh, not greatly reduce your lifespan by doing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so but me, I mean, mental health is paramount for any task that you're doing. So I, you know, I, I, I like to think of my mind and my brain as separate and have one kind of uh, uh, audit the other. And when things are getting a little hairy, it's like, I have my things that I know will be, will be better, which is a big fat joint. No, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's that, but more, it's like, I love nature and mountains. It's like, so if I'm ever getting, and I actually have a routine that I do every day. It's like, I know if I'm up at six, I'm in front of my computer. By the time it gets to one o'clock, I've been staring at the screen. I start getting antsy and anxious for no reason. Right. So I try to take out then and I live by some trails and I just take off and I'll run there, even if it's just for 30 minutes, I come back, I'm like a new man. So it's like, nature is like my church. And so I try to, if I'm, if I'm having problems, my routine is I go for a run or a walk or somewhere. I know that I'll come up with solutions. Mm. By the time I get back from that run, it's like, I thought of a bunch of shit on that run. Exactly. I'm like, okay, now I'm back. Yeah. Well, it, it, you stay, if you stay on a task, that's like hard, it's very hard to see the forest through the trees. Right. Exactly. So I right. always take the discipline to step away. And then it magically will come to me while I'm running. And, then play, and it could be something creative like block, like writing something, or it can be a problem, um, uh, some unforeseen problem that I'm dealing with. It's like just taking a minute away always helps. I, I love that because I feel like not enough people disconnect, right? You need that disconnect every now and then just to regroup and get your shit together. And I also like routine. You're, you're, you're third, fourth, fifth, sixth person that we've talked to recently in the last couple of weeks. I said, we have a routine every day. I'm doing this, 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 and this. And I think that's important too, right? Because it, you do, it does keep you kind of on track with what you're kind of doing. Um, 100%. There's like a, there's a rhythm to life, right? It's like a musician practicing a piece of music. They have to play that one bar so many times to master it. Yep. And by the time they do, they don't have to think about it anymore. So it's like you have to, good or bad, everybody's going to fall into a rhythm. So it's like you have you have to you have to decide. Like I make all these crazy lists and shit, just trying to monitor the rhythm of the day so it's as productive as possible. Right. It's just as easy to slip into. Like I used to smoke a lot it's really easy to just slip into the rhythm of chain smoking and like doing shit it's like whatever you do is going to be the rhythm that your body adapts and that's what it's going to want right 
Exactly. And I feel like that is wholeheartedly great advice because like I said at the beginning, it's all for the up and comers trying to break into it and different stories and different perspectives and different outlooks on how to approach things is so freaking important. But dude, this oh, is totally man. Like, when I was coming up, I was constantly studying. Like I read so many biographies of just like trying to figure out what other people before me that I admired did. Yeah, because to... if you ever get to that point where you think you know it all and you're done learning, you're done. I mean, I, yeah. I just I, you got to oh. continue to grow the whole time. There is no I know everything. I, I mean, that's just not possible. So I love totally. That. It's like there's this filmmaker who who I won't name, but I loved him. I thought he was so talented. He was such a good writer. But these were on micro budget movies, mm, and right. I'm always like, this guy's got so much talent. But he wanted to be the smartest person in the room, mm. and he was in that circle. Yeah, but. And I was young in my early 20s. As soon as I caught up to him, I, I I recognized how talented he was, but he had no desire to move up to the next level and mm. do a movie that cost a million dollars. He's like, no, it's $300,000 is my jam. Yeah, and I want yeah. to be the smartest man everybody comes to. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, if I'm, if I'm at the top, I want to go back to the bottom of the next. That's right. Exactly. I love that. The elevation, man. It's always there. It's always there. Well, something else that we've been asking our guests, and it's kind of like a, a funner way to end our interview segments, is has anything embarrassing ever happened to you on set or just in life that at the moment you were so devastated and crushed by, but now you can look back on and laugh? Oh, shit. I have to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> something embarrassing. Uh, my wife and I have a running joke because I'm in I get this from my father. It's like, I'm, I'm very hard to embarrass. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you anything go. I embarrass her and my kids more on purpose just to get their <laughs> reaction out of them. Yeah. It's like, I can think of one thing, but it's boring, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of certainly I can remember the feeling of being embarrassed, but I'm trying to remember what it's from. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most embarrassing things, which I can definitely look back, on is was my first like really my first gig on a network show which is a show called threat matrix in 2006 or mm-hmm. um, i've done a bunch of indie movies um but i showed up and i had one line uh and uh and i could not get the fucking line i was just nervous <laughs> i was right yeah i was probably 19 um but i just did not get the fucking line and it was so embarrassing i was pretty mortified on that day but looking back now that i've done a hundred 30 something brought it's like it's pretty it's pretty funny and i try to i try to be under i finally got it and the scenes in the show and it turned out great right but i try to be understanding like should a a greenish actor end up on set and do that it's like i, tr- I try to help them through it because of that and oh, hopefully yeah. they only have one line so i can get them the fuck off set <laughs> <laughs> dude so it's so amazing I, I i love that that's a great story um well look we got to tell everybody right devil's peak because like i said we got to make sure everybody watches this thing so it it, it it's had its theatrical release it's on uh video on demand right now tell everybody where they can find it yeah i just uh a, i actually just i forgot it was coming out on video on demand today and yeah. i saw them on on amazon so i haven't looked at the other sites but from what i understand it's amazon apple tv like hulu you can find it anywhere i also thought they were going to be charging like the exorbitant amount for it like 30 bucks because that's what they told me but you can rent it for 99. Oh, nice. fantastic. They even yeah. better. And it's still in theaters. So I'm going to go check it out in Glendale at some point this weekend. Hell yeah. Uh, but where are you guys at? Where are you based? Oh, we're in North Carolina right now, just outside Charlotte. So, oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. I shot Banshee there. I loved, I love being in Charlotte. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's, and it's booming right now. It's picking up. It's getting a lot of, uh, Fila slipover from Georgia where, and, and I mean, it's really booming right now. It's a good little place. 
Yeah, one of my favorite things to do over there is that whitewater rafting facility. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. yeah. That was so yeah. much fun. Oh, absolutely. I think I went there like two or three times in one month. I was like, it's crazy, <laughs> right? And it is crazy how big it is and how much of like an event. Like people come here just specifically for that. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, it's cool as hell. I was like, I wish I had something like that by my house. Oh, for sure, um, man. But yeah, so it's in, it's in theaters still, and it's it was released on uh, VOD today. So fantastic man fuck yeah. yeah well you know it's all about social media now so where can people follow you we want to direct everybody towards your way uh it's my name uh on facebook on twitter it's griff i think it's underscore first um instagram those motherfuckers still have not verified me so there's like six accounts uh, <laughs> it's the one with the most posts is me okay uh, <laughs> fair enough fair enough we'll make sure we do we tag the right one we'll we'll get you don't worry okay cool. <laughs> listen dude this has been just a fantastic interview i think you dropped a lot of valuable knowledge for anybody trying to get into it like i said we always love talking to people and hearing their perspective about the the path that they chose and how they do it um and open invite man anytime you want to come back and talk and shoot the shit even if it's not about a project just come on in and join have the party man uh open yeah, invite. And, and open invite accepted i mean you guys can literally hit me up uh Anytime and just be like, jump on. I'll, I'll talk with him. And this was quick. We're good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fantastic. It's a good mental break from what I was doing too. So Exactly. Awesome. That's what it's all about, bro. That's what it's all about. Well, listen, take care and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, man. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye. All right, yeah. man. Take care. Man, oh man, what a great guy. I love talking to producers. Mm -hmm. They're just different beasts. They are. Right? But I, I, I tell you, and we don't dive into it a whole lot. And so I'm really glad that he did about how a movie gets made, the mm -hmm. distribution aspect of it, and the options that you have. Even was dropping numbers about the reality of yeah. the options. Because people don't realize, you don't just pick up a camera, make it, and it's in the theater. Exactly. That's a whole thing, you know? And, and so I love that he dropped that knowledge. Because I'm sure our listeners out there, there's a lot of you guys that want to be a producer, want to be the guy behind bringing it all together. And now you know. Not necessarily the easiest thing to do, exactly. but, you know, if you're in and you got the passion, you can be successful like Griff, and, you know, it's just fantastic. For sure, man, for sure. Thank you again, Griff, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the top five segment. Oh, my goodness. This one is very interesting because this week it's comic book characters and or cartoon characters that we would love to see and a live action movie. Yes. Oh, uh, this goodness. was a fun one. It and and yeah, we had a couple of uh, our our number one was an obvious choice. I, I mean, just... we've been talking about this for like 3 years I feel yeah. like <laughs> trying to get this to happen. Uh but number 5 for me goes to Samurai Jack. If you guys remember Samurai Jack Cartoon Network, oh my goodness. This was one of the darker shows that came on to the scene when i was a kid and i mean it just follows an adventure of a samurai trying to just make his way through life and through the countryside and try not to fuck people up but people end up fucking with him so he has to fuck people up so i mean it's just a great story i feel like you know we need to see more representation of the samurai ninja culture and japanese and chinese so i feel like that would be a really good one to see because it's a very hit classic and i feel like a lot of people are watching it right now on hbo max with the cartoon network stuff so i'd be excited to see that one to be honest so. uh, for sure and my list also has stuff from my childhood that i would love to see that hasn't been 
been done yet. My number five is the Space Age family. Uh, we've seen the Flintstones live action. The first one was really good. They should have stopped after the first one. I'm yeah. just going to say it. But And we've seen Scooby-Doo. The first one was really great. Second one, <laughs> so we're learning lessons. Only do one. Yes. But I would love to see the Jetsons. Right? I, I mean, I think that that would be fantastic. It would very much follow along the lines of Scooby-Doo, right? They'd have the, they'd have the dog and they'd have all the co- – you know. But I think it would be fucking hilarious. It would be. I think it would be a great live-action adaptation, a great comedy in the veins of. Um, and, yeah, I would love to see it. I just – you know, I, well, and I mean, especially with how CGI is right now, I yeah. mean, it'd be so easy. Oh, without doubt, without doubt. Not, I'm already casting in my head. I could <laughs> see like a bunch of people playing the Jetsons. Come oh, on. for sure. I feel like the dad could easily be John Krasinski. Oh, I mean, without doubt. And I mean, the mom possibly. I don't want to. Maybe mm, Elizabeth Olsen or like Amy Adams or somebody like that. Ooh, Elizabeth Olsen would be great. Yeah. And and Mr. Cog, of course, Danny DeVito. Huh. He's the perfect Mr. Cog. Remember, he's a short yeah. little guy with a mustache. I mean, oh my God, Danny DeVito would slay in that. I'm For just sure. Uh, we'll look, contact us. We got you. <laughs> we got you. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Uh, number four for me goes to Kids Next Door, codename Kids Next Door, because, mm. I mean, everybody loved, like, Spy Kids, and I feel like this is kind of in the same vein, but not with, like, an actual spy agency. This is just kids, like, living their best life, trying to fight off adults and adulthood, in which, I mean, come on, now that we're adults, we understand. We we would much rather be children. Um, but I just feel like this would also be a really fun movie for, like, you know, the the kids who grew up in this day and age and for the newcomers who haven't, you know, didn't know anything about Codename Kids Next Door. I think it would be a whole lot of fun. And I feel like we need more representation of the younger generation of actors, especially, you know, the kids who are really young trying to get into it or the preteens and that stuff. So I would love to see that not in a, you know, Disney Channel type of forum. So I would love to see that. Yes, number four for, for sure. me is Codename Kids Next Door. Yes. Well, number four for me is an obvious. They've been talking about doing this for years, and yet it still hasn't happened. But come on now. If you if you were around in the in the late 80s, mid-90s, then you know that this one needs to be done. I'm talking about Thundercats. Oh! Who doesn't want to see the fucking Thundercats live action? Again, with the CGI, it would be so fucking easy to do. I mean, come on. Yeah. This is a badass team that was kicking ass, right? Well, a Pantera and Lion-O and just like all. I mean, it would be fucking badass. They've apparently attempted to get a live-action version off the ground several times with no success. It's time. Yeah. Somebody pick it up. Let's get it fucking done. That's it, all I'm saying. It would be great. It would be great. Uh, number three for me, uh, I mean, it's kind of like Charlie's Angels, but I mean, it's not. Uh, totally Spies. This was my guilty pleasure uh, show that I never told any other guy friends about because it was centered on three female protagonists. And I feel like, you know, back in the day by other boys, you'd get made fun of for that shit because it was a girl <laughs> show. But it was actually really fun. And just to be able to have that that type of, you know, dynamic. It would be like a new Charlie's Angels type of thing, but not Charlie's Angels because you should probably stay away from that. We saw how Elizabeth Banks' film went. Um, But anyway, I just feel mm-hmm. like that would be 
pretty good and pretty fun and another representation of young women breaking into it because they're just like high schoolers. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. My number three has long been one of my favorite superheroes of all times. And I think, you know, it's been done comedic so often, but I would like to see a serious movie, even though I don't know how you do serious with, with the with the cohort here, but I'm just going to say it. Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. I love them. Yeah. They're fantastic. I always loved when they were on Saturday morning cartoons. And and I just think it's it's like, think Batman and Robin, but Batman with a dog. And Batman is a bird, a falcon, instead of a bat. And, like, you know, the dog is like, it's just a dog. Yeah. I mean, you know, but he's got, he can do crazy kind of things. And, and just like, it's all, it was one of my favorite c- cartoons growing up as a kid. I've always thought it would make an awesome live action. I would love to see fucking Blue Falcon in live action. Right. I think he would be badass. We got another taste of them in Scoob yeah. a couple years ago, right? And every, I think it went over really well. People like those characters. Yeah. So to see them in live action would be badass. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you, you've you done Birdman, so I feel yeah. like if that was successful, then you know that would be successful. Yeah. For sure. It would just make complete sense. Uh, number two for me, everybody knows. I absolutely love anime, or at least specific anime shows and animation in general. Um, So I think this one is a huge fan favorite, and everybody would love it, but they would have to do it right because you wouldn't want it to be like a Dragon Ball Z bullshit type of situation. And I'm talking about Naruto Uzumaki. There's such, I mean, it really, all my shows are really going back to like the childhood day and age. And bringing new child actors into the forum because like i said before we don't have a lot of like big child actors i mean look at jacob trimley he's fucking huge now and he's like i mean he's still a teenager but he's like six feet tall so it's really (laughs) weird but to bring like a new that child forum i feel like that would be very inspirational for kids growing up and give them someone to look up to who's not you know, an adult. So I think that would be really cool. But this is such a good story about an orphan who is an outcast and wants to make friends and is still an outcast, but still tries to prove themselves and become like Hukage, which is basically like, you know, the, the president or the, um, the mayor of the village and shit like that. So I, I feel like it's, it'd be a very inspirational story that you would have to do right though. Um, so yeah, number two for me is Naruto Uzumaki. Well, there you go. My number two, also a classic anime cartoon way back in the day when I was a wee kid, I'm talking about battle of the planets, also known as G force. Mm. Holy shit. This was an awesome team of five people right they're a superhero team they're also in bird outfits each of them has a different bird guys but you had uh mark jason Keop, tiny and 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 it was just and, and princess and it was amazing they fought against zoltar just a maniacal guy trying to destroy the universe and these guys fought to save the universe battle of the planets it was always epic. They would do this. They all had t-shirts on, one, two, three, four, and five, right? And then they would transform into these costumes or whatever. They flew this badass fucking machine, this this plane called the Phoenix. And then whenever they were kind of going in, they were it would transform into the 
fiery phoenix and mm. it would turn into a firebird of like it was so fucking badass and all the the effects you know anime anime it was like and they would do all this like fucking they were badass i don't remember if i don't think any of them had actual powers they were all like kind of like batman type you know with gadgets and stuff but they were fucking awesome yeah i mean i, I would love to see this thing it oh my gosh for years and years and years it was just my favorite fucking guy i might draw these guys i've been leaning towards wanting to draw these guys so maybe i will but check it out if you've never heard of it and you are a fan of anime check this one out battle of the planets g-force mm. yeah just check it out i'm telling you you're gonna love it oh for sure man for sure and of course number one we teased it at the very beginning and we've been talking about it like i said for so many years now we want it to come to fruition and that is Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond. Yes. I just feel like it would be so badass, man. I mean, we need we need a passing of the torch from Bruce Wayne. You know, if we've gotten so many Bruce Waynes, some good, some trash. I mean, we don't need nipples, okay? We don't need nipples on the Batman. Mm. So we just, we just, I feel like, I think it's time to step away from Bruce Wayne. You know? I, I well, I think so too, or at least in a limited role, right? Yeah. This that's the tragic part because prior to this whole let's get rid of everything and start over thing, apparently it was in the works for a Batman Beyond live action with yeah. Keaton being the old Batman and and passing the torch on and becoming the mentor to the new Batman. How fucking epic would have that been? I think so that 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 James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to have to relook at that because I think they're going to see the massive success of Keaton returning as Batman. Yeah. They're going to have to find a way to make that happen. Yeah. And what better way than a Batman Beyond franchise where he's the old Batman, right? I, I just think there's from what I understand, I saw a report they're selling the shit mm. out of Keaton Batman merchandise right now. Makes sense. It's popular, and if you're going to do it, I get it, right? You want to cast a new young Batman, uh, but I'm just saying, if you want to bank on the success and you want to make all kinds of different age generations happy, fucking Batman Beyond. You get the young, you get the old, you get the classic, you get the new. It's a, it's a no-brainer to me. I mean, Exactly, and I mean, everybody loves the futuristic shit, and Batman Beyond is set in the future. You yeah. know, there's different types of electronics and technology that that you can explore with that. I just feel like it's so necessary. Now, the casting would be very... Very critical. Um, but the, Funko also released um, new Batman ones from the Flash movie, yeah. like old Batman. They yeah. look badass. I know. Keaton, man. I'm telling you, Keaton is the way to go. You know, back in the day when I was first thinking about a Batman Beyond live action, you know who I saw as as the old Bruce Wayne? Hmm. Clint fucking Eastwood. Mm. Yeah. How badass. He's already got the voice. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, before he started looking like he does now, because right. now he looks like he should be in The Walking Dead. Yeah. No offense, Clint. I'm just saying. But yeah, he would have been so badass yeah. like 20, 25 years ago. Because I mean, what was that war movie where he was like jacked? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, Heartbreak Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh my God. He would have been fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just so good, man. So good. <laughs> well, guys, let us know your comic book characters or cartoon characters that you would love to see in live action. Please let us know. Comment below or be sure to add us on Twitter at JLoganAustin and at CrazyAntCEO. Yes. We love it. We love it. Now we're heading over to Box Office Recap Scream. We were having this little conversation back and forth. Could Creed keep rain over Scream? No. Scream knocked them out, slashed it away. All the other puns. Um, Scream 6 came in at number one with $44.5 million. It's good to see films getting up to this level yeah, again, right? Yeah. Um, Creed 
three came in at number two with twenty seven point two million, which is not bad for a second weekend. I'm no, just saying that's no, yeah. pretty freaking good. Um, number three was sixty five with twelve point three million. That's that Adam Driver dinosaur movie, which right. apparently only cost about forty five million dollars to make, which is kind of scary because like dinosaurs and forty five million dollars. Yeah, like, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of scared about that one. Um, number four was Ant Man and the Wasp with seven million, still rock and roll with that one, and Cocaine Bear uh, with six point two million. Uh, so they're the top five, and the new movies coming out this week. Um, like we said, Shazam: Fury of the Gods, worldwide or uh, domestic wide, and then in your local cinemas, maybe somewhere near you, um, you got like Unwelcome, The Lake, Full Time, Inside, things like that. Um, but movies you can still go see right now are Jesus Revelations, Champions, which I do want to see. That's that Woody Harrelson yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, and Avatar Way of Water, obviously. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And then Operation Fortune, uh, Rouge d'Avre. Sure. That yeah, whatever that is. Uh, so be sure to go out to your local cinemas this weekend. Try not to get too drunk with your St. Paddy's Day affairs. <laughs> it's always a good time, man. It's always a good time. Well, IMDb Pro's top trending segment, of course, Scream 6 is number one. Everybody's been talking about oh, it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, continue and moving forward. Hopefully, the one and only Patrick Dempsey comes back. We hope. Right? Yeah, that was the plan. And yeah. then I guess they changed their mind at the last second when uh, Nev didn't come back. Yeah. So. It's like, ah, you know. Top trending TV show, of course, is The Last of Us with the top trending star being Pedro Pascal. Yes. Man, I mean, CAA is doing this dude right. He wants to work in CAA. There's his talent agency, for those who don't know. This is why you need to sign up for IMDb Pro to see who's represented by who. Facts. Um, they are getting him a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you think about that Nicolas Cage movie, Wonder Woman 84, like Last of Us, Mandalorian. Like, these are all huge blockbuster either television shows or movies fucking killing it yeah speaking of killing it jenna ortega yeah another one that's literally just everywhere and it just popped into my head when casting the jetsons jenna ortega would be awesome as a judy jetson oh for sure like oh my gosh she'd be fantastic so good man that's what the daughter's name right judy i think so i think i don't know more your generation than mine my friend (laughs) she'd be epic though for sure for sure well guys thank you so much for watching the show listening to the show all the good stuff we freaking appreciate you we got to thank griff first one more time for coming on the show and getting crazy and telling us all about his film devil's peak be sure to stream that now vod video on demand it is on apple tv plus i'm pretty sure it's on amazon and all the other places you can find and or rent movies be sure to check that out and follow him and be sure to follow the company on social media and the podcast at Crazy Ant Media and at ItCaf Podcast. And you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media. Myself at JLoganAustin on all social media platforms. And and me at Crazy Ant CEO on all social media platforms. Yes, we love it, man. We love it. And of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, we appreciate you. Be sure to hit that like button below on the video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of crazy ant media and we also have a mental health podcast too everything's okay where we talk about our mental health struggles that we have encountered throughout our lives 
and we bring guests on from all different walks of life who come on the show as well and talk about what they have been through. So it's all about, you know, letting people know that they are not alone in this world. There are other experiences that are like yours. They might not exactly be yours, but they're exactly like yours. So, I mean, it's all about helping people one person at a time. Um, Also, be sure to visit our website, www.crazyatmedia.com, where you can start rocking all the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. 20% off merch sale right now. Be sure to get that. It's through the end of the weekend. So, man, oh, man, check that out before while supplies last. Yes, do it. Do it now. Do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, I mean, just another great show. I felt like it's great to come back and uh, talk about all the things. And hopefully we can uh, figure out a way to get that Oscar video back up because it was a whole lot of fun. We had a lot of good commentary and a lot of good comments. I mean, yeah. so much interaction. And we can't uh, thank you guys enough for all of that. And, I mean, it was just such a good podcast episode because it's good to be back and talk about the things we know and love and that's what it's all about heck yeah man i always i always love deep diving into the industry news and keeping everybody up to date with what's going on yeah. and finding out ourselves what's going on sometimes um you know it, it's always fun we should mention just a little tidbits that we did, didn't throw in there but if, in case you didn't hear um ben affleck says no to james gunn and peter saffron will not direct any movies in the in the new dc universe so there's that out there and you know what She's letting me down, man. Please don't let me down. Please don't let me down. All Rise might not be coming back to own. Might not be getting another season. Why would you do that? Please don't let me down. You know who I'm talking about. Oprah! Oprah!